From the steam-powered automobiles in the 18th century to today, the car has come a long way, and now it has a firm place in our daily lives. Today, its role is not limited to a means of transportation, rather, it is part of our extended identity. But what technological advancements have made the car what it is today, and what does the road ahead hold? The automobile is at a convergence of all the latest technologies as vehicles continue to evolve as a smarter, more connected product. The development and creation of these automotive systems is a challenging one, driven by both technology and societal expectations. Join us for Paving the Way to the Car of the Future, a six-episode podcast together with Texas Instruments, a leader in design and manufacturing of semiconductors as we take a look under the car's hood. The expanded role of the modern car is not limited to being a means of transportation, but has expanded to being a part of our extended identity. Every recent technological advancement from wide band gap semiconductors to machine learning and artificial intelligence are being integrated into the next generation of vehicles. What makes the car what is today? And what does the future hold? This is part three of a six episode podcast where along with Texas Instruments, a leader in the design and manufacturing of semiconductors, we take a look at the road ahead. Vehicle electrification is at the core of today's automotive revolution. In much the same way, smart watches challenge traditional pieces. We migrate towards more and more intelligent and connected vehicle systems. This podcast will explore issues in EV charging and the role of high-voltage power technology in it. Today's guest is Henrik Manneson, General Manager of Grid Infrastructure and Industrial Systems at Texas Instruments. I'm Alex Palt, Editor-at-Large for Electronic Design. We're glad you decided to tune in. And I'm glad you decided to show up, Henrik. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Nice to be here with you. Well... It's such an exciting time to be in the automotive industry. I grew up in uh, Queens, New York City, and my father owned a garage and gas station in Brooklyn, and I grew up around cars, and I'm a bit of a jackleg mechanic myself, and I couldn't touch a modern car today if I my life depended on it. There is so much electronic in systems that used to be mechanical and sometimes electromechanical what are your thoughts on where we've come in this uh space you know vehicle electrification yeah so maybe for me to start there you know I'm, i might start to zoom out a little bit because i think what we are going through here is a transition on how energy is generated uh consumed and stored i mean we are moving from um an historical generation that has been uh, based on we're burning uh, fossil fuels to generate electricity that we are then um, consuming uh, the consuming in our homes to cool or heat them um, or we are then uh, in the in the example of a car or vehicle we are then uh, burning of uh, burning uh, gasoline or uh, diesel to uh, to uh, to drive our cars so I, I think and what we are trying to do here now is really uh, to get to the to the, get to the core of reducing those CO2 emissions. And the way we're trying to do that is then, of course, to address the vehicle side. So that's the electrification of the actual vehicle. But to make that 
um, to make that um, really CO2 impact um, all the way out, you're going to have to address how we generate the electricity as well. And that's where, you know, uh, you know we are then um, working with uh, renewable energy sources like wind and solar and so on that are coming to it. And then somewhere in between here is then this part of where we're probably going to spend most of our time today. That's how we are consuming energy. And that's now then how we charge, for example, our electrical vehicles. And you asked about how far we have come um, on this. And I think, you know, that looks different if you go into different regions. Um, I think that still consumers um, have questions about, um, you know, the ease of use of, um, of chargers. They have questions about speed of charging. Um, are we going to get to a point where we can charge um, or we can charge faster? Um, and, and, uh, and those are the, some of the things that I think we're, you know, we from a semiconductor standpoint uh, would like to help to address. Well, you know, I'm really, really interested in how you really put an interesting context on this entire issue, because I was thinking of it from the user standpoint, and I, I, I forgot we're talking to the design audience and they're trying to create this infrastructure that is also part of our society. It really is a global view, and I'm really glad that you brought us out to it. Yeah. So I mean, uh, and I mean, again, you know, I, I you know, I, I think I would like to, you know, zoom in on a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of issues there that our design engineers are probably looking at today. And I mean, I think, um, you know, speed of charging, ease of use of those charging station, and then also the safety and reliability aspects of those things. And those are, I think, all of those areas where. We as a uh, you know as a semiconductor supplier um, is gonna uh, is gonna help this market forward. Well, and that's what we're all here for. Our audience are literally creating the future as we go along, and it really is a part of the entire grid and how we use energy at every level. So, saying that, right there are there are lots of issues then: access, speed, safety, reliability. Um, when we talk about methodologies, you know, onboard, external charging and the like, where are some of the pressure points that the designers would find issues that can be addressed by TI solutions? Yeah, so I think, I mean, if we start to think about it, you know, a lot of, um, if you start the speed of charging, so to say, or, and and this, this of course, is quite, it's closely related to the question of onboard charging or offboard charging, so to say. I mean, most um, car owners probably don't drive long distances every day. For them to charge the cars um, at home or maybe even better in, at the office, because if they can charge them during daytime when they are parked at the office, they can, in most parts of the world, use a lot more solar energy uh, to charge their cars than if they would park them at home in the evening because we have less solar in the night. But so that would be that would be good. But. I mean, for long distance driving, then fast charging is going to be very, very important. And there we are talking about, you know, peak powers above, um, you know, 250 kilowatt uh, chargers today. That number is just going to keep growing. If you look at towards trucks and semis and so on, we're going to need, you know, uh, peak rates in in uh, in the megawatts hour, uh, in the megawatts to be able to uh, support uh, to support those type of things. I think here. Where I mean, our from TI's perspective, there you know more main focus, and you know we talked about it. You talked about it in the beginning of the podcast on high voltage power and so on. Those are areas where 
um, you know, we, I mean, our, our customers here, they are designing um, discrete power modules uh, that requires then, you know, a scalable portfolio of um, MCU, gate drivers, bias supply, current and voltage sensing components. Those are the type of things that, you know, I think TI um, and uh, can uh, can uh, can supply um, to the market there. And when I talk about the scalability here is, of course, we talked uh, talked a little bit about um, the difference on charging power. So some of those solutions maybe need 200 kilowatt, others going to need megawatt. So the ability to scale here and be able to produce um, uh, power modules um, in, in a wide range of power levels is going to be important. And that's probably why a broad and, and scalable portfolio then um, will help. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense, Henry. Well, the, the, the more diverse your toolbox is, the more an array of applications you can address. Now, what about, I mean, I recognize TI makes hardware solutions that are supported by software, and it is a hardware-based analog world. Hmm. How much, though, do you feel some of the newer technologies, like, for example, on the software side, we've got digital management, digital power management, and we're getting into some machine learning methodologies to reduce switching loss and things of that nature. And on the hardware side, we've got these new wideband gap semiconductors and some of these new topologies that are derived from it. What percentage would you say TI is involved with at that level? How much of it is a new tech solution and how much of it is taking tech that we should have been applying and applying it? No, I think that there is a lot of new technology coming into this space as well. Um, I mean, we, you mentioned uh, wide band gap FETs. You know, I think that's going to have a, you know, that's going to um, have a, uh, a play in, in some of those uh, power levels that we have. You know, TI is very uh, invested in, in GAN and keeps building out a portfolio of GAN devices. Those are really going to be good uh, for some portion of, of those uh, power modules uh, that we uh um, that we uh, that we talked about. I think the other the other aspect of it, and you, I think you mentioned that as well, is then you know on an access to to the infrastructure and how you know maybe uh, more digitalization and so on would help there. And you know I think um, the way I see that is um, you know that we're gonna to to make uh, to make EV charging here um, really um, accessible and easy to use. Um, for uh, for consumers, it probably um, you know it probably needs to move into something uh, similar to what we have seen happening. If you think about analogy and with the building automation side, where I think from the beginning you know there was a lot of um, you know had a lot of different systems from different suppliers and so on, and then I, it started to converge into uh, things like. Um, you know, use digital assistants like Siri and Alexa and so on. They can control then multiple, uh, you know, multiple facets of your building automation. I think we're going to see similar things happening around this energy management uh, in your home. So that would mean, you know, and that would mean for the consumers that consumers can either, you know, choose to have full control over this themselves. They can talk to their, you know, Alexa or Siri or Google Assistant or whatever they want and, and and let that uh, you know help them manage their uh, their uh, their uh, their EV uh, charging um, that's going on, or maybe they just uh, or or maybe they just want to set and forget something. They might just want to set this up um, in a system and then 
either uh, and they they might want to set it up to optimize it on uh, on costs they want the lowest possible uh, they want to charge their cars with the lowest possible cost that might not give you full flexibility in the sense that your car might not be fully charged at all times but instead you're going to get the you're going to basically you know cater yourself so, so that you uh, that you charge your car when electricity is um, is cheap um, and then you trade off um, maybe some of your um, your flexibility uh, in that. So I think with that is the type of solutions we're gonna uh, we're gonna see uh, gonna see here. And what that comes down to is of course then a lot of um, communication uh, interfaces. So this is uh, the charging station talking to the car. Those are protocols like you know ISO fifteen one one eight OCPP those type of protocols that then defines what a charging session is that also can be used to um, exchange um, uh, information uh, and also even exchange secure information between the car and, and, um, and the uh, and the EV charging unit. The, the, and the way that, you know, I think where TI comes in there and supports this is a lot then on the processing um, and um, communication side. So if you think about the processors there, uh, I talked about some of those protocols that comes into play there. Those protocols continue to evolve. So what we see here is more and more customers um, trying to move uh, towards um, you know, Linux-based solutions. So they build, base them off, uh, they base the chargers on Linux-based systems. This helps when it comes to uh, you know, over-the-air upgrades um, to in incorporate new protocols. And, and so on and so forth. So I think that's uh, you know that's where we see uh, see this trending. And then of course on the connectivity side, um, that comes down to everything from uh, things like uh, you know Wi-Fi to be able to talk um, to your um, to your um, uh, in a home setting, it talks to your um, access point at home and creates a cloud solution over that. Or it could also be of course in a more uh, in a more public uh, in a more public ses uh, setting where it then provides. Um, and the simple solution for uh, for uh, for billing and 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 basically uh, paying for your uh, for your charging session. Well, it is all a gestalt in one way, isn't it? Everything is connected in one way or another. You know, everything from deciding what the hardware is for the a common connector plug into the vehicle, all the way up to how they're negotiating the energy at the grid level, you know, then, but then that brings into other questions that require probably a lot of microcontroller and microprocessor heavy lifting. When you start thinking about the infrastructure side, you know, vehicle as a connecting to the home or to the grid or to each other, in fact, you know what I mean? For example, like in the, as a virtual power plant at the home. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the vehicle to grid or vehicle to home, I mean, that's going to enable EVs to become a battery storage for your home, or uh, maybe be even uh, depending on if the way if you want to use it uh, as a virtual power plant for um, you know for um, um, you know to be able to to, to power uh, to power the grid uh, during times when the energy uh, generation from other sources are low. And I mean, that's going to, I mean, I think that's going to come down to, um, you know, uh, consumers' uh, willingness to uh, pay for the, or, or, you know, get and get paid for this, so to say, you know, um, and, and you will see multiple different ways to make money there. I mean, one would be, you know, directly you sell the energy um, in your car, so to say, and there will be times uh, where um, energy is scarce and um, use it on, 
60, 70 kilowatt worth of energy inside your battery, and you know that someone is willing to pay a lot of uh, money for uh, uh, per kilowatt here, you might uh, choose to release all of this energy um, out to the grid and get paid for it. So that could be one way of, um, you know, uh, monetize um, your, um, um, your, your EV car. But there's going to be other ways as well. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's uh, other interesting parts is, and I talked a little bit about it in the beginning, you know, the fact that we are moving away from, uh, you know, from um, energy generation that historically had been uh, based on generators. So generators tends to be large, um, large uh, system with a lot of mass inside them. They don't like to change the frequency. They, if you have got the, if you got one of those uh, large uh, turbines uh, to spin, it's going to keep spinning at that uh, and that speed. That has helped historically to provide a lot of stability to the grid network. That um, that type of um, inertia is not there anymore inside the grid network. And one way that that's going to get compensated is also digital. Uh, so that's another way where semiconductors are going to go and, um, you know, replace some of the steel and copper, so to say, uh, that historically has been out there. Um, you see, um, you're going you're gonna to start to see things like um, FCR, uh, which is frequency containment reserves. This has historically been things that has only been offered to very large consumers of electricity. But in the future, uh, that's also going to be something that your car can help provide, which is basically is, is that um, with, where there is rapid load shifts on the grid, you need something that compensates for that. And that's by either providing energy or uh, or uh, basically draining energy or sinking energy, so to say. And your car might be a perfect source or sink um, in that uh, in that environment. And um, there is, uh, and there is, uh, there is going to be utilities that are willing to pay a lot of money for people that um, uh, wants to, uh, that, that are willing to uh, participate in those type of plans. So that's another way, uh, you know, except for just selling your energy, where you're actually going to be able to, uh, where you're actually going to be able to monetize on an EV investment. Well, you know, if, and when you, it's always a case that. Once you, you know, bre breach an idea, there will be multiple spinoff ideas from it. I know that our audience will have a lot of ideas spinning off from because that's a great perspective. Because also you could think of during a disaster, people could donate energy from their vehicles for emergency power or maybe GoFundMes for power for who knows what weekend softball so they can power the lights or something. You never know. Once you start creating that energy as uh, an exchangeable commodity between vehicles in the grid, it opens up a lot of opportunity. Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, and I think guys from us, from a semiconductor standpoint, you know, I think we see that as that, I mean, we see that as a way where, you know, we can help make, um, you know, make that um, uh, translation of energy. We talked a little bit about that in the beginning, that translation of energy is, of course, from, you know, DC source that usually is the energy in the battery to an AC source that the grid needs. So that's one part of it. But also, of course, and I haven't uh, touched on that so much yet, but that's on the, you know, current and voltage sensing side. You know, I mean, to be, to be able to do all of this, um, you're going to have to accurately measure voltage and currents. And you want to do that with high accuracy. You want to do it with low latency um, uh, to be able to actually know um, how much energy 
um, have I been uh, supplied by this EV charging station? How much energy? And and um, also, for example, in this uh, in this example I brought up before with uh, frequency and containment reserves, there is also going to be very very important to be able to measure very fast transients that is happening on the on the grid side. So that's where probably an area as well, you know, where um, you know TI's investments into both um, uh, hall based. Um, current sensors and shunt-based current sensors that have different aspects, but in different uh, areas where they excel. And, you know, we can offer, uh, we can help customers there as well to make those, um, um, to, to make uh, selections between those two technologies. Excellent, Henrik. Now, that leads me directly to my next question about the uh, challenges to the engineer and creating the solution and the various technologies that are empowering those solutions. Can you give me some examples of what TI is doing, some parts or solution sets that can directly address that aspect of integrating the vehicle to grid or empowering higher charging speeds and uh, voltages and the like? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the challenges we have here is, of course, there's a lot of standards uh, to support when it comes to the grid, because the grid looks different across the world. I mean, you know, the, a lot of the grid was designed you know, 100 years ago, or a lot of the rules on why the grid looks like it is today was actually things that was drawn up uh, probably a century ago, uh, long before anyone thought about electrical vehicles and all other other all other things that we are trying to do today. So uh, with that, and also, unfortunately, the world that back then was probably not as connected as it is today. So different parts of the world picked slightly different technologies, different ways of doing things. Um, and, and, and that's what we see today as well when design engineers are trying to, um, you know, to try to design EV charging stations. They have different standards and different regions that you need to fulfill. Those might be, you know, things about how you, how protective earth is uh, drawn into a house. I mean, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in some, uh, some grid networks it is, in some grid networks it looks different. Uh, where uh, is it a is it a two uh, is it a you know it's a split phase system is it a three phase system into the home is it a single phase system into the home you have all of those different um, variants and the way we are trying to do that and trying to help from from TI standpoint is a lot through publishing different reference designs that then you know talks about and try to you know address those standards and talk about how uh, you know we support specific uh, how those solutions can help support uh, specific uh, specific standards. And that could be, or then also try to design also solutions, of course, that can maybe cater to multiple of those different standards uh, so that, um, you know, so you can use um, uh, something more like a, a universal uh, universal uh, uh, solution. And we publish a lot of this material um, on TI.com as well um, to help um, designers go there. We can download this material, use it. And, and you know, um, actually also by our E2E forum, they can actually go directly and ask um, our engineers that um, our system engineers that are working on those type of things and, you know, get help um, on designing their specific solution. It's all about creating the solution, isn't it, Henrik? Now, which leads me into the uh, last question before we wrap this all up. And that involves achieving that solution. You know, lately development partnerships have become more and more critical to creating solutions because of the diverse nature of the IP required to address the application. And very often you, you see, you know, the vendor as collaborator. What, what are your 
perspectives on that, you know, from the TI point of view? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, we I addressed it a little bit from in my previous answer on um, reference designs and so on, and on the hardware side. I think on the other side where we are trying to take an approach there is on the software side. We are trying then to work with a lot of, you know, open source uh, community as well there to help. And I, I mentioned before on, you know, um, where we see on the EV charges that a lot of the protocol um, exchange and so on are moving into a Linux environment. The nice thing about you know running this as a Linux processor is then, of course, also that you got you get a lot of access to that open source community code and so on that is out there, and and that's something that we you know we want to um, help uh, play into um, with uh, together with software partners. Partners so that um, you know customers very easily can find access uh, to the protocol, get them up and running on a TI hardware um, very uh, very fast. The other thing I think what we are trying to do as well is of course, and you know TI very recently joined uh, Charin, uh, which is uh, which is this uh, governing body that basically um, sets the standards for uh, CCS and also now for NACS, so the North America Charging Standard. Uh, and what uh, you know, we are trying there to um, to get uh, to get uh, you know to get into the to be part of, to become part of this uh, standard uh, body is of course uh, for us to um, you know help and develop those standards and uh, and drive those standards to make it uh, uh, you know more user friendly, help with um, you know this the speed and access of charging. Um, and then also, um, you know, drive um, safety and um, safety regulations around uh, around charging. Excellent. Well, now, um, Henrik, unfortunately, I mean, we could talk about this <laughs> for a, quite a while, but unfortunately, we are running out of time. But before I let you go, I would like to know your final thoughts on all of this, if you have any um, advice to uh, leave our audience. Yeah, no, I said, I think in the beginning, if I try to, you know, come back to what I talked about a little bit in the beginning, that is this transition of, you know, energy, how it's generated, consumed and stored. And, you know, I think there, if you think of it, high voltage uh, power conversion technologies are going to be a very, um, a very crucial part of that, because between how we then generate, consume and store energy, we're going to have to convert it between AC and DC. Um, unidirectional, bidirectional, and that's all going to be high voltage power conversion technologies. Current sensing, voltage sensing, those are things that are going to help with, uh, you know, the, the safety and reliability aspects of, um, uh, of this. And then the last thing I think that is important for us is then the connectivity and, um, you know, uh, processing piece that we talked about as well, because that's where, um, you know, a lot of that intelligence uh, is, is going to run. At. And I think here, you know, you know, vehicle electrification uh, is a part that, um, you know, building, where TI is keeping building solutions towards um, faster charging, easier use, and, and make it safer. And I think consumers uh, has come to expect that, you know, from semiconductor technologies in other areas. And I don't think that EV charging is going to be any different than that. So, I mean, when we get more semiconductors into this market, you know, I think that's, uh, uh, and uh, we talked a little bit about where it can go and replace uh, replace uh, other technologies. Those things, um, faster charging, easier and safer to use, um, that should improve. I agree. I agree. 
I really appreciate your insight, Henrik. It has been an excellent conversation. And I know our audience has got to appreciate it because I certainly did. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. That was a great time. It was great talking to you. Was my pleasure. And I'd like to remind everybody out there in the audience to please check out our other podcasts in this series. The link to the podcast homepage is in the description. And uh, don't forget to check out the next one. This is Alex Paul for Endeavor Business Media and Texas Instruments. Have a great day.